Now, was Jack Michaels nervous in the moment? Did he feed off the energy that was pumping off the crowd, or did he get did he get too geeked up? I don't know. Let's check with him. Uh, Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers. The man you'll be hearing tonight, call on the game. Joining us here on 630 Ched Morning. Jack, how are you? I, I've yet to find that situation, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not uh, overly geeked up. And, of course, I, I was I was here in 2017. I think, uh, you know, some of those that weren't here might have been like, whoa, this is, uh, this is a different animal. And it is, I, I, and, and this is something I've talked about. I believe home ice advantage is as important to Edmonton as any other team in the league. I really do. And, and you know what? The other night, maybe they were a little too geeked up or, or maybe they had forgotten what it felt like in, mm-hmm. in the case of the guys that, that were here back in 2017. But for whatever reason, yeah, it took a while for Edmonton to settle into the game. I think the first seven shots went to L.A., and obviously the Oilers found themselves down 2 nothing before Connor McDavid went coast-to-coast. So uh, a better start tonight would be a start. And for the Oilers, I think taking their first lead of the series, putting L.A. in the position that Edmonton found themselves in the other night, you know, constantly chasing, that's ultimately the goal tonight. Uh, You know, get off to a better start, assert yourself early, and remind L.A. who is the favorite of the series, who supposedly does have the deeper hockey club, and take it from there. But we've won against them as this season has gone on. So, I mean, by all accounts, we should be able to pull out a win tonight. Well, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, but I, I would go back to last year when they, you didn't have the home ice atmosphere, but you'd won six in a row against Winnipeg, and then it didn't pan out. I mean, there's a reason they call it the second season. I mean, I think Edmonton's three victories down the stretch are somewhat immaterial. But if you look at the balance of the whole season, I mean, that's where, you know, you earned a home ice for a reason. And I think if you look at these two teams' rosters up and down, you feel like Edmonton should be able to, as the series moves along, uh, prove why it went on the kind of run it did over the last couple of months of the regular season. But it's a second season, and you've got to find a way to get a win in this series and take it from there. And there's no time like the presence. And, and the longer an underdog hangs around, and, and Morley and anyone who's watched sports for a long time will tell you this, the longer an underdog hangs around, the more it favors the underdog. And Morley does want to get in on this, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking, as you said that, I'm thinking about 1997 and the Oilers and the Dallas Stars, right? And how Perfect. it turned around because they just kept chipping away, just kept chipping away, and and that's what the Kings are going to try and do. Uh, what's your thoughts on lineup changes tonight? We heard from Jay Woodcroft earlier today in one of my sportscasts, and he he basically sounded like he's going to let the guys who played on in Game One try and right the ship in Game Two. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes that route at all. I think in terms of significant lineup changes, you're not going to see it. This was uh, basically a lineup that, that went 19-4-2 and two down the stretch. If there's one change, you know, maybe you go to 12 forwards and six defensemen and maybe a guy with speed and panache and, and a bit of a, a playoff mentality in terms of throwing his weight around the way Kyler Yamamoto does. Maybe a guy like Josh Archibald would draw into the lineup tonight. But it's a relatively minor change in the grand scheme of things. I don't yeah. think you'll see any changes in the top three lines or the top three pairs. This is a, a group that Jay Woodcroft has, has built his you know, very brief NHL head coaching resume on. This was the group that had the second best record 
you know, from February on. The last three months of the regular season, there was one team that had a better record than Edmonton, and that was Florida. And Florida lost game one, too. So yeah. it just goes to show you why they call second seed. Yeah, and Tampa, the defending champs, they also lost game one. So it's not the end of the world by any stretch. Yeah, Morty was mentioning the, 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 the lineup changes potential. Well, was the 7D, was that because of, you know, Darnell Nurse's first game back after injury, just maybe uh, couching it a little bit and just making sure that they had enough defense uh, to play that first game? I think there's a possibility, Daryl, that that was behind it. I will say this, though. Jay Woodcroft utilized that almost half the time, mm-hmm. you know, that he was head coach of the Oilers. I think 16 of the 38 games he coached, he used uh, 11 and 7, and he went 11, 4, and 1 in those games. So it was a combo that worked for him during the regular season. I agree with you for this particular game, for that Monday game. That might have been behind it, seeing what Darnell has, wanting to keep his minutes at a premium while he found his legs underneath him. Uh, but I think, you know, right now it's also a combination that's been working for him. So, you know, as we as Morley talked about, it wouldn't be a shock at all if he rolled with the same 18 skaters he did on Monday night. Well, we're going to be watching tonight, of course, another 8 o'clock puck drop at Rogers Place. Jack, I'm curious from your perspective doing play-by-play. I mean, it is a different beast doing playoffs. And, I mean, you might not geek out over it or get nervous, but what is it that you get most excited for during a playoff game? What are you really jacked up for tonight? Well, to be honest with you, it is the kind of the building crescendo before the game. Hmm. And this is why I say that Edmonton is unlike any other market that I've been in. There's just a slow buzz that then rises to a dull roar that then goes over the top. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy, you know, stepping out into the plaza for just a minute you know, before the game. Uh, I enjoy kind of walking around the arena just for a minute or so, just to kind of soak it all in, because there is juice in this arena unlike any other I've been in. And and I've had the privilege of, of working some, you know, great games and, and in great different venues up and down North America, I mean, from Anchorage, Alaska, all the way uh, to the eastern seaboard. So, I, you know, I, I do have some perspective on this and I can tell you that Edmonton uh, both outside and inside the arena has an atmosphere building toward a playoff game that I like to take in a little bit. It helps me reach the level I need to be at prior to face-off. Do you think about uh, those pivotal moments within a game, either if it would go into overtime, or Connor McDavid rips through everybody else and scores a goal, or a a big fight? Do you think about things to say ahead of time, or does it just flow in the emotion and in the moment of the game? I, I know some broadcasters do think about that. I don't. I think it comes across, if you think about it, for me... It comes across as scripted. I try to avoid thinking about anything because really hockey is one of the games that I would say because of its continuous substitution flow and just general, there's no natural stoppages. There's no whistle, huddle, build to a third down. And Morley, don't take this as a knock. I love football as much as the next guy. You know that. But, you know, basketball, timeout, horn goes, substitutions, you know, baseball is what it is, essentially a static sport with, you know, a few seconds of action. That's 
not the case with hockey. And so to script anything for hockey would seem also completely in conflict with the game itself. Yeah, there's nothing like that back and forth that hockey has. Yeah. The, the three on two one way, the big save, the breakaway the other way, the big save. This Just the back and forth of hockey. You don't get that in a lot of sports. Right. You just don't, I mean, you know, a, a football game, you know, isn't going to see three fumbles in a row, you know, most cases. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just the way that the game is constructed. And for me, it's it's a game that, again, uh, the tidal wave of energy generated by that back-and-forth action that Morley just described is is unlike any other sport. Well, so it'll it's be a great a, one to call. It's going to be a tidal wave of energy tonight at Rogers Place. Jack, there's no one like you. We cannot wait to see the energy that you're going to bring. 8 o'clock, a puck drop tonight at Rogers Place. Thanks so much. Look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Okay, cheers. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.